And welcome back to the AmGo Podcast with Bill, Brian, and Mike. Today's topic is streaming services. Where are they going? What's going to happen with um, the movie industry as it pertains to streaming services? So let's get it started, Mike, and go. Well, um, this may be pre a premature conversation to have, but there's going to come a tipping point where we realize that you know probably in the next 20 years that we're we have individual subscriptions to all these services that pretty much add up to a full cable bill. And there's going to be some consolidation. Um, and I think we're going to be forward at the time, but it's ultimately going to put us back in the same position that we were in that caused streaming services to get popular of having network television that pretty much controls everything and, and the cable bill, essentially, you know? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it does look that way, especially when now you have like CBS and individual channels uh, breaking off into their own streaming services. And it's kind of lame. Yeah, some of them are going to consolidate in the end, I believe. Exactly. I mean, some of them are going to be standouts. Netflix will try to stay as long as they can. Hulu, those beginning things will start absorbing things or getting absorbed into other things in the package deal. And we're right back to the cable pro- problem, except for on-demand videos. Even even Disney Plus, it's kind of annoying because they Disney at this point owns like ninety percent, if not all, of Hulu. So you know you're just kind of milking milking people to have two streaming services under the same banner. If they own Hulu, why not put the Disney library as a section or subsection of Hulu? It, it just, I don't know. Yeah, I noticed that um, stuff like, um, there were there were certain things, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, I think Avengers Infinity War was still on Netflix when Disney Plus came out. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't, because of the contract, put it on Disney Plus at the same time. Um, I don't know. I wonder why, like, all the, the Fox... Why is, why is Die Hard not on Disney Plus? It's own, They own it now. Yeah. Uh, well, it's probably contracted like to someone else. Yeah. As you yeah. said. Yeah. Yeah. The same thing with uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. That was on Netflix. First movies on Disney Plus. I'm like, okay, the next one, oh, it'll be available after the license in with some other place, Netflix. But yeah, yeah. they will eventually consolidate after some of this time lapse. Everything just going to pull together probably, and they're going to try to compete with the movie theaters, which are dying out. That's the next issue we've all been discussing: movie theaters. Are they going to survive all this bullshit? Probably only as a luxury. I was going to say, who knows? I mean, I feel like the larger theaters will probably survive. And, you know, it looks like already some of the smaller theaters have started to go under. But who knows? Maybe they'll make a resurgence later. What's interesting is following this stuff with with a couple of studios. I think Universal was like the first big one. um, Get into these arguments with these theater companies over whether or not they will release movies at the same time to streaming as they do to theaters. So that kind of, that will be interesting to see how that plays out. I know like AMC said that they won't play any film that gets released to both. Yeah. I think uh, they're going to get into um, like an Alamo draft house situation. You know, they'll be able to sell the experience of going to a theater, select seating, nice chairs and uh, table service. 
for food and alcohol, I think that's going to be what, in 20 years, that's what a movie theater will be, where you it's, it's more of a dinner and a movie, you know, in one place kind of a situation and not your, your classical theater. Because it's inevitable that they're going to start releasing stuff day in, day on demand, right? And I'm for it. I'm totally for it. I haven't been... Honestly, they'll make more money from me having that model. I'll even pay five bucks a pop. You know, no subscription service, just five bucks a pop to to watch a, a brand new movie. I'll, you know what? I'll even give you I'll give you ten dollars. I was gonna say I think they've been historically the the on demand um, like pay per view type of thing, which is what they're talking about, has been more expensive than than just like four or five bucks. It's like basically like buying a movie ticket, but the benefit is is that you can you know watch it with a group of people or whatever for the same price. Yeah, I think that's going to be the balance. Like, if you make it too expensive, then I'm going to have a viewing party and invite six people over, and now I'm only paying once. But if you can keep it low enough to where each six, all six people will will pay individually, then I think you're... you're I think that's a, you know, that's really an area that video on demand has kind of hit the, missed the mark for me. Um because you even with with movies that have been out for a while, you know stuff that you that's not on a streaming service and you pop over to, you know I don't know to Amazon or whatever and you YouTube. Find it, like, I run a lot of stuff it, on YouTube. It's honestly. like you know five six bucks and it's like I don't understand because you can go down to like Redbox or other stuff and and get you know a movie for a couple of dollars you know to to rent for one night. Even going back to the days of like Blockbuster and stuff like that, I feel like it wasn't that expensive. Um, but, but now, you know, if you go to rent a movie, it's just not worth it. You know, well, some movie has been out for 10 years and they want six bucks to watch it for 24 hours. Like, I don't know. I mean, YouTube does pretty well with that. I've rented several things on YouTube. I haven't spent more than three ninety nine, but I rented, um, I was on a kick where I wanted to watch all the Jack Ryan movies and I'd never seen mm-hmm. Red October. So I rented, you know, Red October and I think Netflix only had Patriot Games, so I rented Clear and Present Danger on YouTube, you know. I rented quite a few things from YouTube and uh, one from Amazon Prime. I think I wanted to watch The Social Network on Christmas, so I rented it from Amazon Prime. That was a little that was a little expensive. That was like six bucks, come to think of it. But YouTube yeah. I mean I'll spend three ninety nine. That's about what I would have spent at a at a video rental spot, you know. Yeah. The thing is, for me, is like I've had a couple of instances where I like I really want to watch this movie. I don't know, maybe for a holiday or something, and go and look for it. And it's either on YouTube or something, and you run into it at four, five, six bucks. But you can go on Amazon, have it in two days for that same price, and own it. That's kind of because usually it's older films. You know what I mean? Because the newer films can be even more expensive. They can be, you know, 10, twenty bucks, bucks or whatever. Yeah, yeah, or twenty bucks. Yeah. Just to just to rent, you know. Um, yeah, but I feel the difference there is. I mean, I have I have a bunch of DVDs that are on my. I'm looking at them right now on my entertainment center, and I never go back and watch fucking hardly any of them. I'll watch Star Wars every now and again. I'll watch Indiana Jones, but that's pretty much it. I I haven't watched Avatar since I first bought it, you know. Yeah. So it almost does make more. I'm just got to pay to get special trash to take it out later. Uh, why not it's just also kind of annoying that for that same five six bucks you can have a month's worth of streaming service. True. Yeah. So I, I to me, I, I think the pricing is off. Well, we talked about movie theaters. What about DVD sales? How do you think the streaming services are affecting that? I'm sure DVDs are down. I'm. I mean, to be honest, I think it's going to be kind of like video games is going to start to phase out. The physical discs. Yep. GameStop is going down, right, Bill? 
<laughs> Let's celebrate. Not fast celebrate enough. Celebrate good times. Goodbye. GameStop <laughs> is going down. I know I just kind of defended the all digital service, but there is something nice about, you know, oh, the internet went down for whatever reason. I can pop in my DVD still. I feel the same yeah. way about video games, you know. There are those backup down, collectors. I can still put on my disc of whatever. You still want yeah. you still will want some of your favorite lovables. Like my wife would love to get the whole friends DVDs, but it's like $200. Yeah. So there's some series like that with me, like Doctor Who. With When's your birthday? Games, I think. Oh. Okay. Our Sorry, birthday's coming up real soon. I'll chip in. I'll fucking shoot you 20 bucks to help with that. And she has HBO and Max now to get all of it. So. Uh, yeah, but what if the internet goes down, Brian? Then she can suck it up and deal with it. Okay. And he can go put another baby inside of her. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Let's see. Okay. Either one of you guys pop out a baby first, then we'll talk about that. Why am I the one with the children? That's a good question. That is a good question. (laughs) uh... Drop this issue now and move on. No, you done good, Brian. All things considered. Yes. What were we talking about? Where's the moving on? I'm sorry, I derailed us. DVDs and got sidetracked. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Right. What about quality? How do you feel these services are doing quality wise we've seen what netflix have put out just in our top 10 we're like the best netflix can do is popcorn flicks movies wise they tried it with the marriage story you were saying highwaymen was pretty good but was it hollywood level good yeah i'd say so i mean I think the couple of films that made our list were were definitely Hollywood quality, like, you know, full full theater. I I don't have much faith in current Hollywood or previous Hollywood, I think. But that could just be nostalgia be knocking, like T2. I mean, personally, I hope that theaters survive. And, you know, I don't know how the experience is for you guys, and some people may like it better to watch a film in their home, be able to pause it and go to the bathroom or whatever. But to me, it seems like no matter what I do, it you lose the experience. You know, the dogs bark or, you know, something happens, somebody calls you, you know. I don't know. There's just a million things, and then by the time you're done, you're like, well, what was going on? You know, well, where were we at in the film? You're rewinding it and trying to sit back down. So it's kind of annoying. And for me, like, going to the theater is an event. It's something to do. It's entertainment. And you go there with the sole purpose of, of being in, you know, a dark theater and focused in on a film. You can en- enjoy its f- the film in its entirety, the way it was meant to present, be presented, in the format it was meant to be presented in. I, I, I do think that there is something lost no matter what you do with the whole filmmaking aspect and, and the, the idea that your, your attention is focused on, on the, the film by by trying to to stream it at home yeah no that's a fair point and i wouldn't be surprised that there was some full circle event where you know <clears throat> we move away from theaters into streaming on demand's first day and then after a few years we kind of cycle back because you get tired of that and do miss like you said that experience it is an event i've gotten dressed up for one release you know me and my date acted like we were on the red carpet and shit, you know. We weren't. We were going to see Transformers with you, Bill, I think. Uh, 
But we had like some early release, so we thought we'd dress up like we're going to the fucking opera, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's uh, going to happen to those Star Wars uh, release events? Everyone dressing up, waiting in line for their You know, the I don't think movie theaters will ever go away. I wouldn't be surprised if they, cons- if they consolidated a little bit. And you did just have one game in town, AMC or whatever. And I, I, it would be cool if, like, I've, there was an empty theater in Laurel. You guys know that for a long time. And every time I walked by it, I thought, man, I should we should, like, lease that and make it an art house, you know? Art films, obviously, not, like, fucking paintings. Because <laughs> fuck paintings, right? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Even art's going in Millennials, the Millennials, baby. Video. I mean, it is kind of like the difference between going to a museum and looking at art or watching a digital tour of it on on your computer, you know what I mean? Yeah, yes and no. It's close, but I don't think it's it's quite there. Yeah. So, and it also depends on what kind of setup you have at home, what the average person has, you know. True. Yeah, taking a digital tour because for my I had some papers I had to write and you had to do a participation paper where you had to go out and experience things. I had an option to go to to these digital tours and museums. That's hilarious. I chose the Smithsonian, and I'm like, this is the most this digital tour sucks ass. What do I yeah. write about? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I I just followed scene to scene. You know, it was a little hard to read all the exhibits and take in the atmosphere. It was okay, but I would have rather went to the fucking museum. Yeah, man, I would have went with you. Uh, me and my mom were supposed to go to museums when she was going to visit in July, but that's been canceled pretty much. Yeah. I, I want to go back to the museum. I, one of my favorite childhood childhood experiences was going to see this uh, Norman Rockwell exhibit that was touring the nation, you know? I'm a Norman Rockwell fan for life because of that. And I was familiar with his work. We had a big book of his art, you know, and I would flip through it and kind of read the little tidbits about Saturday Evening Post and all that. Uh, but it's not the same when you get go get to see the brushstrokes live in person. Yeah. So I see what you're saying, Bill, about that. That's the way the art was meant to be experienced. I mean, that said, they are going to have to make some concessions. <laughs> Speaking of, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cheaper concessions. But that, exactly, man. They, they, I think theaters have gotten, you know, too far out, you know, for most people to really enjoy. They've gotten out of touch. You know, nobody wants to go and, and pay, you know, in total 30 bucks a person to go see a, a movie for two hours. It's just not for the amount of entertainment time. It's not worth it. And I think that's why they're really seeing a lot of this even before COVID, you know, a lot of the backlash and people leaving theaters and why they, you know, they don't have, you know, theaters filled unless it's a huge movie and only for the first weekend kind of shit. It's just too, too ridiculous. The concessions are too expensive. The average ticket's too expensive. They've taken a lot away a lot of the other ways to see the film, too. Like, what happened to cheaper matinees? At best, maybe you get They're a dollar off now. That's like you know? six bucks for a matinee. It's not bad. Well, you realize not, that... Not here. Most <laughs> not theaters theater, don't yeah. make any money off the ticket price. They don't make any money. Not a lot. Not, not a lot. They make them. some, they but, make they, but not bit. a lot. They yeah. make their yeah. money off the concessions. Off concessions. So it must be but it's the just, films just asking for so much money, so they need to set a certain price so they can meet that but criteria. We, we've talked about this kind of thing before. Is it better to have... 
I don't know, 10 people out of 100 buy really expensive popcorn or to have it priced to where 90 out of 100 buy the popcorn. You know what I mean? Because I feel like in the long run, they would probably make more if they had it more reasonably priced because I like sitting down with popcorn and a soda, you know, to watch a movie. Sure, but I'd say without using little points on the rewards card or something like that to where I can get it down to a reasonable price, I would say probably... Nine out of ten movies that I see, I don't buy anything because it's just too expensive. Yeah, the it's soda a weird balance. and popcorn should be cheap, but I understand some of the other products being a little bit more expensive. Yeah, I mean the dead cost on popcorn and soda. I mean we we nothing. Know it's it's like nothing. Ten cents. You know? Yeah. With the yeah, cup, it's like no matter what, it's like twenty five cents per cup, no matter how big the cup is, unless you're using like really high quality cup material yeah 25 cents about and there's a yeah that's a good point that's a good segue into there's a weird balance between okay i think the um you know stadium seating selectable seat changed the game they tried to adapt i hate that by the way they have it to where you have to pick your seat for every every movie here now and it, it has been a huge drawback for me even if it's not the recliner yeah, any theater, any time, any showing, not even like an early release or, or like the theater style, like it, any any theater uh, seat here has to be selected. But that uh, they did that in order to survive, right? And people seem to respond favorably overall, I think. What do you mean by did it to survive? Uh, I think uh, cramped leg space was probably a complaint they heard often in their surveys when... When Netflix started coming around and movie theaters were struggling pretty hard, uh, stadium-style seating with uh, re- the big recliners was kind of their oh, way yeah. of adapting. Now, now, if you're talking about those style theater, but I'm talking about just regular seating, they make you select your seats. The point I'm trying to make, though, problem. the point I'm trying to make, though, is that you know they're obviously larger than the regular seats, so you're losing. In that style of theater, 15% yeah, sure. maybe, maybe more of your seating capacity. I don't know what so, hoity-toity theaters you've been going to, <laughs> This place down here no, in Baltimore. No, this is just the, like, the re- regular Regal, but instead of, I think they have one screen where they put in the bigger seating, but like all of their, their screens now, you have to select your seat no matter what, wow. which is really annoying because you are kind of crammed in, and they won't let you like yeah, choose individual seats or put spaces anywhere for i guess for obvious reasons but like say when josh and i go to the theater you know we end up shoulder to shoulder somewhere unless we just unless the theater's empty and we're able to move which is really annoying you know i don't know just because when it's first come first serve you get you know kind of where you you want to be and have like the space to, to stretch out unless it's something like first night and it's super packed i get that but it's just very awkward, you know, to get the seats that you that you want with having to do that that selecting thing. I hate it. I've not had that experience, but I'm not the biggest theater goer. It's probably been I've probably been to maybe about five shows over the last five years. So the other huge drawback to it is is that it it creates like a half an hour wait time to get your tickets. Hmm. Because everybody's like looking at the screen and oh let's see what row is this and what seats and I mean it's, it gets ridiculous in in the winter time you're outside and it's freezing you know 
Uh, it's a real pain in the ass. That's something I think that they need to toss out the window unless it's a special viewing kind of deal, like a f first weekend, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, no, it is interesting. The um, Because I don't, I mean, regardless of the fact that I would probably step, I mean, I step into a theater very rarely now. Hmm. Um, half the time I'm, I'm willing to just wait. Uh, but I still go see the movies I want to see in the theater. Uh, I feel like I would go the same amount of time. I would go to the theater just as often if everything was available day in, day on demand. Because there are some movies that I just want to see in the theater. Want to see in the theater, yeah. Uh, so I, I definitely am for them sticking around. Uh, and there are certain, I don't know what their profit margins are like, but there are certain things that they're going to have to do to survive in this new world. That That is pivoting towards... A, a digital delivery system. I'm sure a lot of the bigger movie AMCs and Regals and whatnots, they've probably already started looking into that because they, they're at the very least hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, a hundred million dollar companies, you know? Uh, yeah, that's not even I still think if they stop, stop gouging that, that they get more people buying concessions ultimately. Yeah. They have their bigger profit. This sort of trend also is getting more people to create like a theater like environment in their homes. If they can afford it. Yeah. People Even if they sell the seats, sell seats, same seat branded seats or something. Yeah. Chairs know. are getting some luxury. A lot of people got those comfy gamer chairs. I've seen them. Well, yeah. If people got yeah, money, the they can replicate that experience. They can get big screen TV surround systems. They can set the lighting in their house. You're not only with the streaming services, it gives you a chance to, and people who have money can create their own theater within their home. That's not a lot of people, but they will lose the mar type of market, especially since theaters are closed now. They'll lose it to people who are like, fuck, I can't go out to theaters, but I'd like that experience. So let me just create it at my own home. The people who have that excess money to do that. And as you're saying, it's so damn expensive. So if they do bring down the price in somehow, they'll get more common people who cannot replicate that experience in their own homes. Yeah, man. I, I love vaudeville. Spiritually, physically, emotionally. And uh, I feel like theater is meant to entertain the masses, right? No matter what the format whether it be live theater or, or movies, you know? So I, I would like to see some jog back to that. So getting back to what I'm talking about, uh, let's get back into the streaming shows. We brought, we were sort of limited last time in our top 10 format. Is there anything that you think the streaming services are doing right with their programming? I think Netflix has a weird, diverse, this is Netflix, you're greenlit, that sort of joke that they use in a lot of comedies, that they just take a whole bunch of stuff and just throw it out. I feel like at first that was okay, you know, because kind of... Hit or miss throw style. A bunch of, right, right, you throw a bunch of stuff against the wall and see what sticks, you know. I don't, especially with them starting out, you know, as their own you know, um, studio, I can understand that approach. It makes you sees what what's out there creatively too. You know, which ways you want to go. But now, man, I Netflix doesn't make any sense to me because they'll have a popular show that's really well done, and for some reason they'll give it like two, three seasons and cut it. 
and you're like, why? You know, ratings were high for it. It was winning awards. Everybody was tuning in to watch it, and then all of a sudden they're like, eh, we're on to a new project. Well, you know, I understand with all sense. the Marvel things, that probably was uh, seeing Disney take over. They saw the riding on the wall and didn't want to give them any more yeah. receipts. Marvel's different. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in some things. Like, there's going to be, what, a silent voice? No, that's anime. Whatever big movie they promoted on Netflix, uh, Bird Box, I think it was. Mm. I think there's a sequel to that. Yeah, why? <laughs> it was a cultural phenomenon for about a week. Yeah, so excited. Even The Witcher probably had better hype, but that had a fandom behind it. The Witcher. That's at least something better to throw. To throw your money behind. I mean, I'm all for creating original programming. Oh, some coin to Witcher, you mean? Yeah. Thank you. Animes. One of us had to do it. <laughs> of course. There's also animes, but yeah, putting your money behind something that already has a dedicated fandom is a smart move for Netflix. And they're just doing some other stuff, which I respect them for. Respect Netflix. I mean, I appreciate the streaming service's willingness to be more creative or to... Or to you know be more diverse because hollywood we've talked about this before how hollywood has really gotten away from that in a bad way you know everything is either uh, marvel or star wars you know it's just kind of yeah it gets repetitive even even though we love those movies and we'll go see them for the most part it it's getting old now like i don't yeah. even know how, we've talked about how, how many more marvel movies are we actually going to go see in a theater you know probably not many so maybe one the fact that streaming services are saying to a smaller you know filmmaker or or to somebody taking a risk yeah let's go ahead and and run it i i can appreciate that what i don't understand though is with their series why they they seem to either cut funding or, or cancel shows that were popular give some and, examples you know um well we had on our list kimmy schmidt seemed to just all of a sudden you know, end out of nowhere. It has an interactive movie now. It does, you know, but I'm saying I don't know why. They never really gave a reason. Did the did the actors want to move on? You know what I mean? So I, it just was weird. There's been some lesser known titles that that I liked and that Lauren liked. Um, like uh, there was one called Samurai Gourmet and sweet tooth delivery man and a few others that you know everybody seemed to like and had positive you know reviews when you look it up online but they did like one season and then dropped it but was was that netflix funded yeah yeah those were netflix originals i mean discovery i think got funding from someone and that's still getting funding i think it was netflix even star trek yeah, Discovery? Star Trek Discovery. I think that's a CBS All Access. Yeah, but, but someone ha- someone yeah. else had money into it. I don't mm. know who it was. You would have to. I think it was actually Netflix, and they were going to get a piece of that pie later on. But maybe deals changed. I just knew, interesting. I don't know if it's Netflix, but I knew they had backing from someone else.
This yeah, I mean, the... I guess going back to the... Sorry. Uh, going back to the, the Marvel thing. I, I, comic books belong in some sort of serialized event that I think would make more sense to have... To use Marvel as an example, uh, a bunch of serialized shows, they don't have to be more than eight episodes in a season or whatever, and then have the movie be some sort of culmination event, you know, where you're not doing five a year or whatever, you're doing one a year, two a year, max, you know, uh, just to, to space it out. Because I think we all are, we're all going through Marvel fatigue at this point, Um. And that, uh... Mike, did you actually miss that? Netflix actually did that. The Defenders. Right. Jessica Jones. Yeah, uh, no, they had UK, they had a bunch okay. of shows, but that's not been the standard. They still, they do all that and also put out four to five movies a year. Or three movies, I guess, is the real figure, right? You're... But that's still a lot, considering. Yeah. Uh, and I, I feel like the... I also think that this is also relevant to streaming stuff. I wouldn't mind if they went back to the one, maybe two episodes a week model. Like, The Mandalorian readopted that model with its release. And it does give you something to talk about for the whole week, you know? Like, oh, I wonder what Mando's going to do next. I wonder what's going to go on yeah. or happen. I actually like that myself, yeah. Yeah. And I, I also, I at first I really liked being able to binge a show the entire season the first weekend it came out or whatever. You know, I, I get the appeal of that, but... It becomes very flash in the pan. You don't really care after yeah. the weekend, you know. You talk about it for the following week and maybe the week after, but then you're done. And it does kind of suck too when you burn through something and you're like, "Well, great." You know? Yeah, you finish the book too early. Yeah, yeah. That's that's been one of the. I mean, th you think about must see TV. It was must see TV because it only happened once so fucking week. What what yep. Seinfeld and the gang getting into this week? You know, uh, always leave them wanting more, right? I think that uh, it goes a long way. I wouldn't mind if they went back to that format or even two a week. That'd be fine. That'd be a fair compromise. I mean, I like the once a week and, and I think they should pair that. I've been saying this for years now. They really need to make it to where you can create like channels and not just your list, but to where it'll play like one episode of a show and then go to another show and play one episode and so on mm. and like cycle through. So sure. maybe you have like, I don't know, you know, 10 different shows that you like to watch that you know, the episode comes out once a week and it will play through those instead of binging one show all the way through episode after episode. Yeah. I wish in, in some cases, it, unless it was like a two parter or something that it would play like it does on a regular TV network. So that you can sit and you don't get sick of watching it, but it plays like the next show, you know, so you... That's a cool idea. And it almost makes you become the um, the director, you know? Yeah. And not only uh, are these, you know, uh, not only is CBS not having to pay for a curator, they're they're getting paid for yeah. you to have the right to curate your own... Right. So you could have like evidence, your uh, list you know. that you pull from, but then they should have like another section where you pick, you know, I don't know, ten shows, twelve shows, and then it'll it'll cycle through those those shows until they they end. So custom playlist, pretty much. Basically, yeah, yeah, to where it just plays, you know, season one, episode one of each show, and and then season two. I mean, uh, episode two, all the you know, and, all the and shows. in theory, you could set your playlist preference to like a whole show. Or just, like, chunks of yeah. a show. Then maybe if there's a companion show, like if we take the Marvel, like Jessica Jones, if you wanted to 
do that fresh. You, you line it up in a way where you watch a few episodes of Jessica Jones, switch to Luke Cage, switch to Daredevil, in that way. I could see pretty much custom. It would also take out a lot of these things that people have problems with, like autoplay features. You can set that on Netflix, or you can disable. Yeah. Disney Plus always ends the show. If you could go in and there be like, I just want to watch all the Mandalorian since it's all out. So just autoplay the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one. Yeah, I can't believe you can't. What was the service? I was trying to turn autoplay on or off. I guess it was Disney Plus, and I couldn't turn it on. Probably Disney Plus. It, it just wasn't available. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, that the, was shocking. The actual. This is a standard now. The actual formatting feature is also rather annoying. I mean, some of these uh, UIs, the layouts are horrible. Amazon Prime was horrible in the beginning. They have improved. It was. Netflix probably had the best uh, layout from the start and kept it up pretty much. I don't really like this trending thing. I'd like it. Uh, it depends. like to see what people are watching, but... Some of the decisions. I'm just like, really? Lion King? I didn't get into that craze. Tiger King. It also sorry. gets kind of annoying with Netflix where they always suggest their originals, no matter whether or not you'll like them or not, which is kind of, I don't know, it was lame and annoying. <laughs> and it, it, their algorithm. The originals or point. that feature? Both. No, like, well, like, I'm talking about, like, if Netflix made something, a show, a movie, they always suggest it to you first. And you're like, well, I'm obviously not going to like this particular movie or whatever the hell it is. So why are you suggesting it to me? I, you know, you're just kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah, I, I really don't like, since we're talking about it, I don't like how if you like scroll over a show, it gives you the preview. So it's playing the, yeah. I don't like that so yeah. much. Yeah, so. that can be annoying. They really should. I think they finally made it to where you can turn that off. Oh, okay. Yeah, if I want to click, if I want to watch the preview, give me like a button where I can just click yeah, preview yeah. or whatever. You know, Hulu's interface is is pretty annoying too. Yeah, and then I know on um, at least on my the Roku I had Roku TV, it does this weird thing if you watch a show more than once, like you know, something you put on in the background or watch at night that you've seen before, when it cycles back through like a season for some reason it just plays the last five minutes of all the episodes yeah amazon does the same thing i mean sorry super annoying hulu does the same thing and when you're done with it like you fall asleep yeah Yeah. it just disappears from your history you have to go up and search it individually super annoying like i fell asleep like there was three more episodes i fell asleep on a few episodes in and it just played through the whole season and had me watch something they recommended afterwards, which I didn't yep. care about. Now that's on my playlist. I'm never going to watch that. I yeah, and why can't you get rid of stuff from your continue watching? Should be able to do that right from the apps. You shouldn't have to go on your laptop and and do a bunch of crap to remove that. That's super annoying too, especially when it autoplays something. Then you're continue watching; it's always there, and you're like, "What the hell." I don't know. There's a lot of things I think that they need to start listening to some feedback and clean up. Well, I I tried to bring it up earlier. This is time to give us our 
Trek. Spy Trek. Bill, you, this is a perfect spot oh, right. to do the Spy Trek. Oh, God, spy yeah. Spy Trek on us, since it's CBS All Access. And Picard isn't much better than... I mean, they really should have made Picard a little bit more traditional since Discovery was so out there. But they just followed the trend. Action! J.J. Yeah. Abrams action track. You call it uh, spy track. Action track. I call it action track. Well, no, I see where you're coming from on the J.J. Abrams thing because it is. It's a lot of action. And I even see what you're talking about with Picard. The reason I call it spy track, though, is it's just there's so much like espionage and, and mystery done. Yeah, and all they this go stuff going on. J.J. Abrams mystery box. I think Star Trek should not follow the mystery box ideal. But continue, sorry. It, they just stylized it in a very odd way, I, and I didn't, I didn't care for it. You know, I, I there were some things where you're like, oh wow, they gave it some some pretty good production value and, and, and that kind of thing. But there was a lot of a lot of cliches that I didn't particularly care for. Yeah, you know, spoiler alert here for for Picard if you haven't seen it, but just uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it or whatever, whatnot, but go for it, man. But it just they're like, oh, Picard is dying. I'm like, okay, you know, just is it at least that disease from generation uh, from the next generation? Hell, no. So he has some sort of inoperable brain tumor type of thing. So. Which I find hard to believe because I yeah. watched a clip the other day where Dr. Crusher repaired a broken rib with a fucking wand. So, <laughs> right? Uh, I don't know. Just I, that kind of stuff. Let's add some extra drama where it doesn't need to be. You know, a lot of that that crap, and I I could even get down with the whole spy vibe if you're you know they they brought in the Tal Shiar and that kind of stuff. But then it was like. Oh, but there's all these people who have infiltrated the Federation and 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 uh, and Starfleet, and I don't I don't know. Just it got to be a little too much for me, and everything was felt odd. Like the interview that they do in the early episodes with with him, or the first episode maybe, um, and the the reporter is like hammering him, and ha- you know, there's yeah, like fake all news, these. Phil, ad- you gotta get that fake news narrative in there. Like, well, it's like for, years in the future. Thousands and first of all, when when's the last time you're watching any Star Trek that even mentions anything having to do with television? Right. Never. So, well, right, so they don't really, do they even have television programs? I remember the holiday. I don't think Who so. Is? No. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. It's like it's kind of ridiculous. I'm like, so that they have like this whole feeling that they're trying to sensationalize for ratings or something and put like political spin on on, on this whole deal it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense it's at sad. all it seemed like they're trying to put modern day politics and star trek in there are oh they ways, most definitely did there are ways to do it yeah but that did not seem like the way i agree that soured me that first episode yeah i'm like yeah. really does uh, Janeway show up in Picard at all? No, the Borg uh, chick does. Yeah, I heard about that, 7 or 9, yeah. Supposedly she goes all badass. and They're like, you're not going to go back and kill someone. Probably not. And she goes back and kills whoever 
she wanted to. She's always been a badass, though, so that makes sense. Oh. Well, I'm glad she has work. I like that actress. She's yeah, Jerry Ryan. Some, she's done some interesting stuff. Some Boston Legal. Movies. Yeah. <laughs> I liked Boston Legal. Okay. All you, man. But, yeah, other streaming services... If you guys uh, have any drinking game, take a shot now. Crunchy Roll. <laughs> that's well, the other side of these streaming services. You got me. You got us, Brian. <laughs> you, got, you got us again. No, I'm kidding. There was no <laughs> drinking game, but I'm going to take a shot anyway, as you said so. Sounds about right. Got my little quarter pot of Jim Beam here. I'm having a good time, okay? Awesome sauce. I got some penis enchiladas from Ryan's. <laughs> having a great time. Okay, but Crunchyroll is doing stuff with their subscription money. They're putting out original programming. They got a lot of flack for uh, a series they premiered. It was very, what's the best way to put this? Very progressive show. A staff, the writing staff was all females. You know, touting that whole progressive line. How was it? Uh, it's not out yet. Oh. They, they just put a trailer out. But they put out other original animated things based on webtoons. They, they put through some money at some things that are popular mangas, which I think is the better way to go. If you got some webtoons you can get the rights to and throw behind some money to get them produced, that's very smart. Like they have one called Tower of God, which is actually getting a lot of press. It's a manhwa, a Japanese... Sorry. Korean version of a manga. I always butcher the pronunciation and they produced there's also another which is more of a generic fighter series called God of High School which no one cares about but Tower of God they're talking about this is what I'm talking about. These streaming services, yeah it's cool to do original things but you have to expect a certain failure rate with that. If you want to produce something that either a novel or comic book or book series I know that's the same as novel and try to produce that well that's better I would love to see something like the Dresden Files done right instead of that horrible sci-fi <coughs> show I'm sure you guys could think of several things that these streaming services could put some money into and do much better than Hollywood like Ender's Game yeah I wouldn't mind seeing like a series with that it would work better than a movie. Anything else you guys can think of that's streaming? The Witcher was a good example. A badly executed example, as most people agree. Something that I think they could realistically Shadow put to film. Made into a TV show? No, see, I thought about my My knee-jerk reaction was StarCraft, but that... It would take a lot. Yeah, StarCraft... Yeah. Has a lot of war be lore behind it. Same thing with the Warhammer universe. That would be hard to do. Yeah, something vaguely related to the Fallout universe would be interesting, but I don't see it lasting a long yeah. time. I feel like it'd be a short... And that's the other thing. I, I wouldn't mind if they went back to the occasional miniseries. Yeah. I feel like there are very few miniseries in the streaming world. Yeah. I feel like Fallout, if you took the approach where you just built the world... And then you could follow different characters. You could serialize that. Create a whole new yeah, story I feel like, for the Fallout world. 
having several seasons of that, I feel like would get boring. You know, you. Uh, it just depends on what you couldn't follow the video game. No, no, you'd have no, to yeah. just build different it within falls. the world. Well, you could yeah. do it from the very beginning. You could do it from the first Fallout, sort of a retrospective. Now I feel like you start. That would actually be good if you went from, if it was like a uh, sequel like the to Walking the first Dead Fallout and a prequel to the second Fallout. That might be interesting to see. You wouldn't actually replicate it. You would basically do a quick summary of the first Fallout game, then create original story for what happened between the first and second game in the Fallout. That might be cool. That might be a cool That's idea. The- you're better off, in order to capture the max audience, you're better off just doing the first season or whatever, first miniseries on Fallout 3. So you get the whole born in a vault, follow the kid yeah. to the vault, and then episode 3 or whatever, you leave the vault and kind of follow that story. And then you've built the world. So then you could do, oh, there's also vault fucking 339 out in, you know... Cambodia that is also opening up for the first time and now it's a new story about something else and somewhere else. You could pivot to like a gritty Brotherhood of Steel military type of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so the first one you gotta build the world. I agree with you there. And I feel like uh, Fallout 3, I didn't play, I I, I still have yet to play Fallout 1 and 2. I've seen my cousin play him, but um, so maybe I'm misspeaking. But I, I feel like Fallout 3 did a really good job of making you understand what the world was. You know, you got 30 minutes in the vault, you're grown up there, you're blowing up birthday candles there, and then all of a sudden things go terribly wrong. I'm out of the vault for the first time. I'm going to fucking detonate Newton, you know, kind of thing. I mean, you could even spend time, you know, in a vault with a show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking Drama, of a situational whatever. comedy, like a sitcom yeah, in a vault. Yeah, a sitcom in a vault, yeah. The guys that stayed. I'm not going out there, man. Uh, what the fuck, are you crazy? Yeah, we didn't hear <laughs> from him. He could be dead. He's probably he dead. He probably is dead, yeah. I'm going to get some birthday cake uh, down the hall. So, uh, I don't know why, but... Uh, Norm McDonald just popped into my head there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'm not gonna, man. Uh, yeah. He's probably dead. He's dead. <laughs> it's funny. Oh, I bring fuck. up shows that streaming services can do, and you guys jump on Fallout. We love Bethesda here, Brian. You brought a Fallout, actually. I did. Didn't? Sorry. No, you did. Of course you did. <laughs> yeah. See, he brought I, up anime, so yeah. <laughs> see, I know of two book series that might that they're talking about getting in. One is uh, Brandon Sanderson's uh, Mistborn series, which is fantasy. That would be sort of Ooh, cool I'm Mistborn. Hey, Born Identity is my husband. I miss We're divorced, though. I'm Mistborn. Sorry. Okay, nice joke for someone who knows nothing about the series. It's basically a gritty. Uh, dystopian fantasy. And also, of course, what I keep trying to get you to to read, Bobaverse has some people talking for him in Netflix. He, I, I follow these guys, some of these people on Twitter, so I, and uh, Reddit, so I know that they're in talks with Netflix, and that's a smart maneuver. 
Oh, in talks with Netflix. I thought you said yeah. he Netflix. I was going to say, like, oh, at least be cool, Luke. Can he, there's, like, a translation table. I doubt Orson Scott Card's going to get anything. Aggressive's hate. Orson Scott Card's a great name, though. Yeah. But How's Card spelled? C-A-R-D? Like a basic bitch? Or is there, like, a K in there? No, it's C-A-R-D. Ah, basic bitch. He did not choose his name unless it's a pen name. I haven't looked into that. I'm just thinking of Talon Card from Star Wars. K-A-R-R-D-E. Great name. Great character. He's fictional. Orson Scott Card. You're fictional! I wish. If I was fictional, I would have superpowers. I would hope. Because that would be boring otherwise. There would at least be the possibility of superpowers or supernatural things happening if I was fictional. So... Let's hope you're right, Mike. Disney Plus needs to do a Cheers in Space with Star Wars and Cantina. <laughs> yes, please. Yes. You don't even got to give me much, man. Give me like three 45-minute long episodes a year. Yeah. Or even 15-minute long episodes every couple of weeks. That'd be fine, too. That Just that would second. go over well. Ooh, it'd be cool if they, have a, if they add another show, which I'm sure they will in the next three to five years. They'll have a second TV show, TV show, on Disney Plus, some cereal for Star Wars. And then you get the reaction show, where this is how it trickles down to the guys in the cantina. They hear about shit, you know, they fucking, oh, you hear this little green guy that's been going around <laughs> shutting shit down? Yeah, man, there's like a Mandalorian that has his back. Uh, well, we really shouldn't be pitching this to Disney. I think this is something that YouTubers would do better, sort of a parody on Star Wars. I don't think they would. Star Trek tried to do something similar with short tracks. I don't know if you saw that, Bill. Seen it, yeah. Are those good? Those are meant to be short, little, almost comedic slash dramedy little things. Oh yeah, H. John Benjamin was in one of those, right? I think he was. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, they weren't very successful, from what I know. No one I know talks about them well. But, yeah, I do like the idea of a Cheers in uh, Star Trek universe. But I don't think Disney could do that well. That's where I'm arguing with you. I mean, fight me, bro. I don't think Disney could do that well. They don't do comedy very well. They do uh, comedic mm. things well, like Marvel. Yeah, but it doesn't need to be, like, full-on comedy, though. That's the thing. We're talking about a sitcom. That's almost always... You talking about an evolution of the sitcom? I mean, not everything has to be slapstick, laugh track type of comedy, though. Um, you know what I mean? That in fact, is I, I've seen several people like play the Big Bang without the comedy laugh track, and that really does seem bad. I never liked Big Bang Theory, anyways, too much. It had its novel appeal, but it seemed like the same shit, but with geeks. Seem like almost a more incel friends for geeks. Because <laughs> it's a whole bunch of dudes and the one chick moves in How and everyone you. has the hots for them. And slowly you get the chicks trickling in. And there's a whole <coughs> bunch of losers with women because they're geeks. Hey, 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 Brian. Do you have like 
a mirror handy or anything? Or can you see yourself in the little window there in Skype? Yeah. <laughs> Brian has... Can you see Brian. yourself in your little window? <laughs> Talk about their geeks. I'm like... Hey, no, I'm not saying geek. that as a bad thing. I'm saying they yeah, do no, it it's, badly. Yeah. I'm a yeah, self-identified geek. At a certain point, it does get old. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. just people who don't know anything about geeks did a show about sitcom about. Geeks. It's a geek fantasy. Yeah. Because it, it's also they're all fucking. Three of them are doctors. They have these prestigious jobs, and they get to wear whatever the fuck they want to these jobs, and then they all end up with hot fucking wives. Yeah. Uh, so it's like every oh, and everyone's in the the people they're trying to appeal to. Oh yeah, you are a fucking. Astrophysicist, uh, even <laughs> if you're a Who fucking. Who does Raj end up with? No, I don't know. I didn't watch. Had the wrong name, not probably Raj. Yeah, that may fit his character if he ended up single. I've only seen maybe thirty episodes. I know the total. Jewish guy, whatever. Ends up with that big titty blonde chick, yep. and Sheldon ends up with that fucking hot ass Albanian chick, and obviously, uh, Eifstetter ends up with, or whatever, ends up with Penny. Rajfoy ends up banging fucking all the Victoria's Secret models or something in some weird twist. I don't mean to diverge from streaming services, but... I'm just I would say no problem, but I, I legitimately had something I was going to chime in on with that. I, I bet you... Oh, this is what it was. I bet you Disney Plus ends up selling some properties eventually because there, there are going to be some things that they really can't do anything with and still keep the Disney brand. So they're going to have to offload some things... Like the can, yeah, I think like the star the, the Star Wars Cantina, fucking Star Wars uh, Cheers. I don't I see think Disney in, being able to do that well. I think in that case they'll just move it over to Hulu. I mean they own Hulu, so at least oh, both they, they own like ninety percent of Hulu, right? Uh, yeah, ten percent. I bet they'll buy Rooster Teeth. That's gonna be the next move okay, for Disney yeah. but because they have a lot of. YouTube exposure. Oh, Rooster Teeth just kicked one of their founded members, but Rooster Teeth ain't what they who? used to be. Uh, who the did they kick? Did, uh, Caboose from Red vs. Blue. Oh, Blaine? What I think his name was name Blaine? Is. Joel? Joe? I think it was, Supposedly it was Joe. Supposedly he's too right-wing for them. And they, they uh, he's been on the outs for a long time. Yeah, I, I used to, I was really into Rich the Thief like three years ago, and I looked into it, and he was like the the fucking redhead stepchild of the of the fucking original group. Yeah, I mean it's good to have the little out one, but with today's current atmosphere, I understand, but I don't even like really what they've been doing recently. You've been into Rooster Teeth, Mike. That is an example of a streaming service, so to speak. They have their own channel. Yeah, I'm not on. I'm not on first. Although I kind of want to subscribe because I do want to watch Last Laugh because I love John Smith and I heard he does really John Smith from Funhouse. I'm a big Funhouse fan. See, I tried to get into some of their series, but I couldn't really. I liked Ruby in the beginning. I didn't like Ruby until they killed off uh, the really cool chick who was into the no loser idea. guy. I forget their names. I'm horrible with names. Of course, red and blue fan, and up until season thirteen. Sure. Ruby, I liked for about three seasons, and they totally flipped the table on it, and I just lost interest. 
Yeah, no, I, I like. Uh, I wasn't into them for a long time, but I, I think I found them through like the. I know we're way off topic now, but I guess it's kind of uh, on it's topic. A, it's sort of on topic. Rooster Teeth is sort of a streaming service, and own. they're owned by Warner Brothers. Mm. At this point, um, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if if the point I was trying to make was I wouldn't be surprised if Disney bought them or some other company that had roots in YouTube because that's the the last frontier, as it were, for Disney is YouTube content. And a, a fucking Star Wars Cheers would do very well on YouTube, I think. A fully licensed, fully actualized Star Wars Cheers. And you don't need a lot of money. You just need no. one set, really. Yeah, I think that... I, I brought it up before. I think YouTube creators could do a better job than Disney could with a Star Wars Cheers show. Yeah, because they don't have all the fucking bureaucracy to deal with. And they could just just have a room of writers. This is your vision. This is what's yeah, a pure translation. A vision be, to spray. It would be a separated a parody of the Star Wars universe. They could get away with that, as long as they had Disney's blessing to do it. Nintendo's notorious for hunting down people who use the Mario on YouTube, though. So you sort of need to have a approval of Disney to do something like that. Yeah, no, that's why they, they're going to buy something. And um, and if they're smart, they, they understand that you can't really... Kathleen Kennedy or whomever understands that you got to give whatever company you bought the space to do what you bought them for, you know? And uh, I would love to see Michael Jones in a cantina uh, bitching about the Mando destroying his business or whatever the fuck. I don't know. Would be quite interesting, Bauer. Bill, I'm sorry. Like we've been talking over you for the last ten minutes. No, you're good. Is there anything you want to bring up, Bill? Uh, we covered a lot of ground, and then nothing else really pops to mind. There's only one thing I want to bring up, and it's the final thing I want to sort of get the ball rolling on. Kevin Smith doing He-Man for Netflix. Who is this Kevin Smith? You're Really hoping to get a rise out of Mike, aren't you? I also hoping to branch this off because some of these names have been associated. It's more of a jumping off point, but before that, Mike, yeah, can I get a rise out of you, Kevin Smith, doing... All right, so DC has their own subscription service now, right? Yeah. Okay, so I wouldn't mind a Kevin Smith-directed Green Lantern animated series. I would not mind that, that at all. I don't give a fuck My, about... He-Man, I agree. I don't care. No yeah, who, who the property. fuck cares about He-Man? No one. Well, I yeah. met one anime I, I had some cool toys. Who has his, his monorail is He-Man, like some numbers. He obviously cares about it. I talked to him about it recently. He's like, yeah, I hope they don't do it dirty. Like they, Some people have been talking about Tila becoming the main protagonist and pushing off He-Man because he's toxic masculinity when he totally is it. They make fun not, of He-Man for being gay because he's so yeah. sensitive. Flamboyant. But yeah. besides getting a rise out of Mike, as Bill has said, which I failed. Well, just real quick on that, he uh, just don't do anything else in the universe. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, even you can even give me a prequel, and I'll go watch a prequel, you know? Best but nothing past Clerks 2 in continuity. That's all. 
The book is closed, bro. You made a fucking point of saying the yeah, yeah. book is closed. So there's the rise, Brian. Uh, rise and run, like these fucking other names that calculus. have popped up and that will surely rise in the future. Names like J.J. Abrams. Uh, Stop giving J.J. Abrams beloved properties. Uh, same say thing. it now. Same thing with the guy who ruined Transformers. Uh, the name is Michael Bay. Same Michael deal. Bay. Stop giving him beloved properties. Uh, I, mean, I know there's, there's some controversy around him, but uh, I still like uh, Joss Whedon for things. I think he's a little over the hill now. He was good for a bit. I think he was still a little overhyped. He did the Avengers right when he had it in his hands. It wasn't great. I think it stood on its own. He did well with the series. I think he's the best person to handle a beloved series. I will give him credit. Just Whedon handles nostalgia well, I think. He's handled it with kid gloves, okay? He did not do anything no, he with his hands off. He could have done more with it, theoretically, but I'm not going to... I couldn't have done any better with it. I don't think many other people could have either. So I will give him props for that. still think he's overhyped a little bit, but... He, of course, wants to reboot Buffy with a black female lead, and I just find that funny, him talking about it. hes They're not going to do it. I don't even care if they would do it. Bill, go on about J.J. Abrams. I, look, he's a good director, and as standalone films, I, I tend to like what he does, but I don't like the direction he he ends up taking. You know, these big sci-fi you know properties. I don't think that he really was the the right choice. I don't know if the who knows? Maybe he was the best out of the bunch, but he, I don't think he was the right choice for Star Trek or Star Wars. I I wasn't happy with with either one. Now, if you were going to say these were completely new properties, like, and you watch the films without any background information, then they're they're good, right? You know, objectively, not great, but they're good. He has a notoriously um, bad habit, like Fringe. He sort of did a weird thing with that TV series that was popular. Mm. Mm. I think he also, Dollhouse, I think he had some hand in, or was that Joss Whedon? That was Joss Whedon, oh. yeah, and Christina Ricci. Oh, but yeah, yeah Fringe I don't know. was definitely associated with him, and think about the history of that. Okay, close us out, Bill. I think we're done. We're, <laughs> fry, we're, we're reaching now. Alright. <coughs> well, thanks for listening. Hopefully you had fun. I know we did. Um, as always, let us know how much you hate us and disagree with us in the comments. <laughs> and until next time, remember, oh, and remember to like and subscribe. And until next time, have a good one.